Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Morning, everybody. It's a delayed start. Uh, you know, we've got a statement in this church, and the statement is, you, is, you matter. Probably you've seen it. It's on T-shirts, it's on banners, it's on screens, it's on all different types of things, all the way through our whole environment in Highlands, be it in the school, be it in the early learning centre, uh, or be it in church. And it's such an important statement. And sometimes it's a misunderstood statement. Now, I've, I've travelled the world with T-shirts on, and, and one of the things I've noticed is whenever I wear a You Matter T-shirt, I've been stopped on the street. I've been stopped on the street in London. I've been stopped on the street in San Francisco. I was wearing it when I was shopping for uh, something for my darling wife in a Michael Kors store in an outlet area in Atlanta. And this young woman came out from behind the counter and walked up to me and said, I love your T-shirt, and hugged me. There's something about that statement that you matter that makes a difference. You know, when we were doing the building work here, I had concreters who had very uh, limited vocabulary, I found. Lots of short words. But you know what? They wanted to buy a T-shirt that said you matter. And we gave them one, of course, because you can't buy a You Matter t-shirt from us. We gave them to them. There's something profound about the statement, and it's so important that we understand what that statement means. Many, desperate, many people desperately want to know that they matter and they have a place in the world. And that statement resonates in people's hearts when they read it because it's so, so important that people discover who they are and where they fit. And when you think about a discipleship journey, as we're in this series about discipleship, you think about that discipleship journey. It's what we're placed on this earth for, is to actually walk alongside people and point them towards Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 explains it. It says this, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. That includes you. He's made you beautiful. Do you know a funny story? You may have heard it, but at my wedding, uh, Moira and I were standing at the front of the altar, and in those days you never actually read your vows before you were saying them. It was just something that was dished out. And I was 21, so young, tradie, and I'm standing there, and the pastor goes, repeat after me, and he said the word that you'll be dutiful, dutiful. And as a 21-year-old tradie, I'd never heard the word dutiful before. So I interpreted it as beautiful. <laughs> so my vow in marriage is that I'll be beautiful <laughs> to my wife. But I've got scripture to prove it now, Ecclesiastes. that said God has made everything beautiful for its own time. But the important part is that he planted in the eternity in the heart, in every human heart. 
And even even though we can't see the beginning to the end, it says, there's something being planted inside of us and it's eternally. It's that need to be known and that need that we are known by others and that need that God knows us. There's something he planted deep inside each and every person. Doesn't matter where they are, doesn't matter what they're doing, doesn't matter what part of the world they're in. Doesn't matter how far away they are from God or how close they are to God. There's that need of eternity in every person. They can look so far away, they can be aggressive towards Jesus. They can be trying to kill Christianity. They can do a whole pile of things and we see it in the world today. But there's something that's placed inside of every person and it's eternities in their heart. Because God did that. That's how he invented us. That's how he created us. That was his thought. That you matter so much to God that he didn't just put you in for a flash of time but he put a turtle in your heart. You have a future with him. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 to 31 puts it so beautifully, and I love this scripture. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind, and all of your strength. I don't think we understand that first part of that scripture that we love God with everything of our inner being in the world that we live in, in the Roman world, we're very linear and it becomes a, a thing with God that, oh yeah, we acknowledge God, but actually the entwining ourselves with God is so, so important. That's why it's your whole mind, your will, your emotions, your soul, your spirit is entwined with God. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You see, you matter to God so much that he came into all the world. You know John 3.16, if you've been around church, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die on a cross. That you can know him, not just know about him, that you can have this relationship with him. Have eternal life. It's so important to catch this. That you love others as you love yourself. How's self-loving going? You see, we live in a world where we can look at it and go, oh, self-love is conceited or narcissistic or whatever it is. That, but actually, how do you go about loving yourself? Are you okay in your skin? It's so important because if we're not okay with ourselves, it's how we love others. It's how we see ourselves. It's how we reflect to others. It's how we judge others. It's how we view others. So important to understand that we're okay with ourselves. How you use your identity. I think one of the greatest things we need to teach in the church is identity. That we identify with Christ, that we are okay, that we are redeemed, that we have been set free, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You can go through scripture after scripture after scripture, but it's around our identity in Christ. It says in in uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, which we'll get to, but it says that 
All authority has been given to you because God trusts you. God's created you. He's formed identity in his heart. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image of God. To understand that is so, so important. Because I see in the world today, Christians who don't understand that, we do studies of, of people that come into on staff in our church and in our college and, and early learning center. So anyone that comes on staff, we do two tests on them. And we test them with what's called a Harrison test. And we test them with a, a, a behavioral style test uh, to, to see how they'll fit in team. And, and we want to do it, when we do the Harrison, it's to do with how they'll find their enjoyment in the job. Because we don't just want to employ people and them not fit into the world we fit in. And, and honestly, over the years, I've made some horrible mistakes in employment because I thought I knew people. But when you actually go through and you see these studies that do, and you answer a whole pile of questions, it takes about 20 minutes, and out of these questions, it seems that they can look into your soul when you have a look at the results. But one of the things that come up, I notice, that causes the most pain with people is low self-acceptance, or another way of saying that is low self-esteem. So that if they're not sure on who they are, they're not sure that they're, they're of their identity, they're not sure of their identity in themselves, be it through a trauma, be it through situations that have gone in their past, be it through a, a divorce, be it through a relationship breakdown, be it through words that have been spoken over their life, all of a sudden their identity is being affected. And they lose this self-esteem or, or self-assurance. But I know that God wants us to know who we are and whose we are. He wants us to understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are created in the image of God. Because the scripture says, the two commandments is to love God with all of your heart, all of your mind and all of your soul and love your neighbor as you love yourself. For, for us to be effective as Christians, we have to identify that we are His and be comfortable in our skin. I sense God wants to do an incredible healing in the church of these areas. See, the problem if you've got lower self-acceptance or low self-esteem, when someone comes up to you and may want to give you some advice or may want to see something to correct in your life, you take that because you see yourself as a failure or you see yourself with low self-acceptance or you see yourself as, I'm not good enough, when they say give you some feedback, you go, they don't like me because you don't like yourself. And the problem with that is when God then comes and says, hey, I want you to change. And we all know that he, he cares for us so much. We know that we matter to him so much that you matter in God is he wants us to change. But when he says, I want you to change, he goes, oh, God doesn't like me. That's such a challenge, isn't it? Because one of the other things we measure in our tests that we measure for staff, but one of the things I've found is across Christianity in general, <clears throat> is there's a high need for self-improvement. So you get this tension of low self-esteem, but high need for self-improvement. So we can never be good enough because our esteem's low. But when we let God do something in our identity and allow us to who we are, the sanctification 
process. As we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, it builds something on the inside of us that gives us the confidence in faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Something about that's got to happen on the inside of us. Faith is knowing. If we can catch it, imagine a church. Because I imagine a church that gets excited about the things of God, that know who they are and whose they are. When they walk confidently, not proudly, it's confidently. Walk confidently into the world with an answer, a hope, a future. that allows us to change the world because that's what God's heart is. His heart's broken for a society. For people to know him. For people to encounter him. Can we people walk confidently, not proudly, confidently with a love that sees people change. That's why this statement, you matter, is so, so powerful and so important that we understand it. You matter. Self-acceptance and self-esteem. Love God as you love others, as you love yourself. When I think about you matter and love your neighbor, Proverbs chapter 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. You see, when we talk about discipleship, we talk about walking alongside people. Not talking about having to convert them, we're talking about being a faithful friend, being a good friend, being an intentional friend. You see, an intentional friend does things for people. Intentional friends is there in the good times and the bad times. An intentional friend is there when when you're going through a tough time, they're next to you saying, hey, I empathize with you. And walk alongside them, but you don't stay there. You don't put sackcloth and ashes on to use the biblical term and sit under a tree and go, woe is me, and get stuck. The good friend says, come on, let's go. The best is yet to come. You can do it because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on. And it may not be those biblical speak, but it might best be, come on, let's go again. Come on, let's make a difference in the world. Because that's what you matter means. This doesn't mean, oh, I sit in the gutter and weep with you and stay there. But it means I get up and I walk alongside you to the destiny that you have. A friend tells the love, tells the truth in love. The in love bit's important, hey. Anyone married? Don't you love the truth? In love. I'd prefer the in love bit rather than the truth sometimes. But I've got to hear the truth. But it's the same in friendship. It's the same in our walk with Jesus. To actually hear that truth of a friend that says, hey, hold on a tick. Explain to me. And there's some ways we can do it. There's words we can use. Help me understand. Good marriage advice too. When you're in your marriage, maybe the way to do this is, hey, help me understand why you're, why you're doing that. Do some language that actually encourages truth and encourages conversation, not just argument. 
Truth that doesn't bring condemnation, but actually takes you forward. That's what a friend does. A friend gets the best out of you. One of the things powerful about a friend, a friend doesn't build the friendship around them. A true friend that doesn't become codependent. A true friend actually helps you become interdependent and walk alongside and point you towards Jesus. That's what a true friend does in a Christian sense, in a discipleship friend. If you hear the words, I can't do life without you. If it's not your spouse, it's a problem. Because we should be encouraging people to walk through life, empowering them, pointing them towards Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we should be doing. Not saying, oh, come and build around me. I have all the answers. And that's why it's important as a church, why the important statement, you matter, isn't about hold on a tick. Let's gather around a church. It's around gathering around Jesus and a purpose and a placement that he has for us in Toowoomba. And the rest of the world. You matter to the church. You do matter to the church. And it's the way God's built it. The church isn't an organization, however, it's not a building. The building just keeps the rain off, and thank God it does today. Thank God we have air conditioning down, it's hot or cold, opposite to what it is outside. But the church is this 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 27. The way God designed our bodies as a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent upon each other. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only accept your part that the body does. Your part meaning anything. You see, we're called to play a part in the church, the body of Christ. And I think about that, and I think about the people, and I think about a church that can catch hold of this. Imagine if we all played our part. We all used our gifts. And that doesn't mess mean on a Sunday, because it's not just a Sunday. Today is the day we get encouraged. We come to corporate worship, experience the presence of God, drink good coffee. Have good friends. But imagine if we caught what the church is meant to be. The church rises up. The church becomes this place where people are encouraged and encouraged to go and make a difference in the world. Where we use our gifts, not just in our musical gifts or preaching or prophesying, or, but the gifts that God has given us to build up the body of Christ. The church is only called for one thing, to change the world. That's why we're the church. You matter to the world. You have to understand that we matter to the world. We're dealers of hope to a hopeless world. There's such a need out there. I love the story we had on the screen with Maddie talking about a friend in hospitality. Not to have all the answers, but just so she could, when the door of opportunity opened, she was able to speak to help bring life to someone. The world needs us. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all the things that I've commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
You can reframe that, and if you've been around us, you would have heard this, but it says, go about your daily life. Be friendly to people. Be intentional about your Christianity. To love others. To love God. To teach other people the things that Jesus commanded, and he only commanded two things. Everything he did in his commands were two things. Love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's so important we catch it because the world's desperate. You only got to read the newspapers or open the online and see what's going on in the world. The world's desperate for the church to rise. The world is desperate for it. You see, we've accepted and we've come to the point where everything's acceptable in the world. You're not allowed to speak out. But that doesn't mean you can't speak to. The greatest thing we can do is when there's a person in need. You see, in a crowd, there can be a frenzy. But when there's a person by themselves, when God gives you that intentional friend, that disciple, you can speak truth and life because there's a desperate thing that's inside everybody's heart to know that they matter that they matter to God and they matter to you. If I think about our church values and if you know our value statement, you matter becomes such an important part of it. Our first value is people matter. People matter. And what does that mean? Because people do matter. But the way we, we sum that up is we point people towards Jesus. Why? Because Jesus died for them. That's why people matter. It's not to grow numbers, even though numbers is important. God always counted numbers and things like that. Why? Because what you count, you value. People matter. Excellence matters. Because it honors God. What is excellence anyway? It's not perfection. Excellence is moving, removing the things that are resistible, that stop people from coming to know God. And I think about that in my life. What is resistible in my life that is stopping people from coming to know Jesus? What am I doing? I try and remove it, allow God to speak to me and say, Ken, remove this out of your life. It's resistible to people. Integrity matters. The world's watching, and we know the world's watching. You've only got to see when some person or organization misfires it makes the headlines around the world thank God for grace hey but by the grace of God go me or I if you're an English teacher but it's true all the way through scriptures we see redemption you see all I'm reading again I'm still in the Old Testament at the moment that's All the time, it says, if you will humble yourself, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, if with all these statements, God says, I will redeem you, I will bless you, I'll pour out abundance on you. Sometimes there's that challenge for us because we can think and look at others and go, wow, look at that, but the reality is what's God saying to us? Integrity matters. Fun matters. And that sometimes runs against what people think of church. But the gospel's good news. We should be having fun. 
people should see it and go, wow, that wasn't what I expected about church. And that's what I love about this place and see what happens in kids and youth and what we do when we throw a party because fun matters. The gospel should be attractive, attractive to people. Should be fun. Prayer matters. Sometimes I think we misrepresent prayer in a... In a, in a you know, the way we are as Australians in the Western world or the English world, English-speaking world, the, we're very Greek-minded in our thinking. And prayer in, a, in the English world, if you read it, if you read a definition, it says it's this, is to beg, beseech, implore. And that's not what prayer is. It's part of prayer, but it's not the whole bit of prayer. You see, in the Jewish world, prayer was done a little bit differently. Prayer is a relationship, which we come back to that first scripture that we love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. It's the entwining with God. If you look at it from a Jewish complex, it's the word telephala. That's the, the word for prayer, and it's, that's the Australian pronunciation of it. Because if a Hebrew person would have just, God, well, I don't know what you say. But this is what it means. It comes from the root word tefel, which means to connect or shape pottery you see when you read scripture you'll see the potter's hand you'll read about it in scripture where the potter's hand shapes us we allow God the potter to shape us that word prayer should be that connection prayer in the Jewish life is more about being connected to God it should be a connection expressed every day in every detail of our day not just I beseech you, God, I want something from you. The, AT, the ATG, automatic teller God, where you say, you'll put my prayer request and I get an answer. But actually say to God, God, what do you want me to do today? That's what I love about the discipleship process is that, God, who today should I walk alongside? And imagine if we had a heart open to that where God brings people and then we're walking alongside them and pointing towards Jesus. Not just to convert them because that's God's job, but actually just to point them and allow God to do his job. See, God is interested in every detail of your day because he wants this relationship. You matter to God so much that he wants relationship with you. We can get so busy in our life and we can miss that fact. We think about money. God wants you to be blessed. Your money matters to God. And the only reason I see it in Scripture is I see, see him say that if you're generous, He'll be generous with you. We get people can get funny about money because it gets close to our heart. But actually, God wants us just to be generous to change the world. You know, you matter because you've been fearfully and wonderfully made with a unique design. Born in the world for a purpose. His purpose. The church, the people, not the organisation. Need us to discover our design, 
discover our identity so we can take steps towards our destiny. Because you don't do this alone. We have a statement, life is better together. Yet somehow, we still seem to walk along the road lonely. One of the things I do know, and I feel God on my heart today, is maybe in your life there's been some things that have affected your identity. And that's why that you matter statement may resonate in your heart, may resonate in your mind. Maybe there's things that God wants to do to unlock your identity. Maybe the things that have been low self-esteem, maybe it's a thing that happened, maybe it's the loss of someone, grief. God wants to just remove that. Can I encourage you? We get, we get put on this earth to do life together. Find somebody to talk to. If you haven't got a friend that you trust enough to tell them their innermost dark secrets, find a counsellor. Go to a psych. They're legally bound not to share your, speak, your secrets, so you can go and talk to them. Sometimes people share something that then creates more hurt, but go to a counsellor. God gives us them. And of course, go to God. Because he said this, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know that cleansing is to do with your identity, of who you are on the inside, to allow you to be all that you can be. Next Sunday, by the way, which I only realised when I was watching the ads, because I do watch the ads in church, is Discover. It's a new course that Doug's been working on to release and about helping people to find, to find their design, how they've been fearfully and wonderfully made. But it's not just about finding your design, it's actually finding your place in the world that actually builds that self-assurance and self-identity that you can step out confidently in who you are. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for this amazing church full of incredible people. Father, I pray that you challenge us and inspire us to be all that we can be. For every person in this place, Father, they will discover their destiny, their design. Father, where there's been things that have happened that have affected who they are in you, Lord, I thank you that we have the promise that you actually reveal things to us and work out our salvation, work through the, the cleansing or sanctification part, as you call it in Scripture, the theological part. But you actually want to do that to bring healing to us. And Father, I pray for every person in the day that you reveal any area that means the lid lifting off, the scab peeling off, the hurt being revealed, so they can all they can be all that they can be. Jesus' name. Hey, just while every eye's closed, every head's bowed. We do this in every service at Highlands because you matter. 
You matter because God died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for you. And you can know all about him. You can actually know that he did it. But maybe you need to ask him into your life. Maybe today is the day for you. Maybe you've been in church all your life or maybe you've just walked in this place this morning. I want to give you that opportunity today. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front or do anything like that. All I'm going to ask you to do is to raise your hand and that's an outward expression of an inward decision you're making. By raising your hand, I can see you and I can pray with you today. So I'd look across this room right now if that's you and you've never given your life to Christ or you're coming back to Christ, I really encourage you to raise your hand so I can pray with you this morning. Lead you to Jesus. So look across this room one more time. Father, I pray for everyone in this room that if they know you, Lord, you continue to grow in their life and reveal their design and destiny and purpose. If they don't know you, Father, I ask you to reveal yourself to them. Woo them, Lord, as you do so well in this journey we have with you. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.